I really celebrate who God created me to be, but I do know that if my attention is on me, I will fail every time. But when my attention is on him, then we can partner together. And what I could never do alone, we can do the impossible together. And so that's the power of the Spirit of God. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just bless each one. I just thank you for the spirit of wisdom and knowledge Lord God, to be made manifested. I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that, Lord, that fear would have no power, no place, because they have power, they have love, and they have a sound mind. Lord, you created us as women to stand in a place of identity and power and authority, just like ever every human being on the planet. And so, Lord, we just declare and decree that there is not only revelation, but there is an impartation, an impartation of your spirit, an impartation of revelation, an impartation that shifts us out of the old and brings us into the new in the name of Jesus. I decree that old things are breaking off and new things are being established. And Lord, even things that we have not known in our own mind or in our own thoughts uh, that could have been a saboteur or holding us back or a place of insecurity or shame right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you for revelation and whatever you reveal, you heal, whatever you expose, you cause us to walk in a place of freedom. So in Jesus name, I just decree that even today, the spirit of God is going to move powerfully among each one in Jesus name. And I thank you for it in Jesus name. And before I start, Lori, uh, she got us to lay hands, and so I, I couldn't prophesy then. But I just heard the Lord saying that God was giving you some tools. And those tools weren't just things you're going to learn or things that are, you're going to be educated in. But he's going to give you the resources that you need to do what he's called you to do. And doors are beginning to open up, and there's going to be a place where you're going to be coming into the light, as it were, where uh, you're going to gain some visibility. And out of that visibility, it's going to cause people to come and even lift up your hands just like Aaron and her lifted up the hands of Moses and um the Lord says, daughter, I want you to recognize that uh, it's not by your promotion of something, it's by my promotion, that you're going to begin to see that some rise up that has such a heart for what you're doing. And it's not something that anyone convinced them of, but it's something that their hearts have broken for, and they've been looking for a platform. They've been looking for an opportunity to express what's on the inside of them. And I see strong, stable, mature individuals coming to partner, but I also see the tools that you need uh, being established and tools it could be finances. It could be resources. I don't know if it, I don't know if you have need of TVs and electronics, but I just see things like that that are, are just going to begin to come in to make things easier and make provision. And right now, I just declare and decree this season of advancement for her. And I just thank you for the angels of God that are even going before her and bringing forth the provision, going before her and opening up doors that she could never open, uh, going before her and bringing her to the light of many people eyes in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just thank you that this is our season. This is our day. We proclaim acceleration right now 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. Well, we were talking about authenticity last night, but authenticity will never be actualized or manifested until we recognize that God has created us to be self-governed. He has given us the power of choice. There are so many things that we have relegated to heaven when God relegated it to us. I love where Maya Angelou says, I will write upon the pages of history what I want them to say. That means the choices I make, the things that I do today, literally, I'm writing history. We all have a life story, right? We get to write the chapters in our life book. We can determine what people will say about us, what we, not just what we've accomplished, but who we are. Because haven't you seen some successful people, but they were not necessarily people that were in te- had integrity? But you're drawn to those that carry character, correct? And so we get to write. We get to choose. You choose. God placed everything inside of you you would ever need to walk out your destiny, to walk out your purpose. He put that inside of you in your mother's womb. That's a gift he gave you. And we need to value that. But we are the only ones that can choose to walk in that. One thing, um, we used to have a resident program where young people would come in and the potential prophetically I could see giftings and callings and abilities and potential and I thought oh my goodness they carry so much but they repeatedly made choices that literally sabotaged what they carried oh my heart would just break but guess what I was powerless to make their decisions for them But I want you to know you hold power. You are powerful individuals. See, self-governments or the power of choice is the highest and most fundamental form of leadership. Because the fact is, if I can't govern myself, how am I going to lead somebody else? If I don't know where I'm going, do I really want somebody to follow? Leadership or influence is walking in a place where I govern myself... That infrastructure I talked about last night, having that infrastructure so that I could stand on platforms and literally enjoy what God's given me, but not use them as my identity. Every one of us have an ego. You know what ego is? It's just self. Everyone got a self. You got a self? We all got a self, right? But we don't want to need our ego. We don't want to kill it. We just don't want to need it. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of my father. And the things that truly satisfy are not the things that feed my ego. It is rising up and taking governance, making choices that align with heaven. See, you are created to be powerful and you were created to function in authority. You all know these scriptures, and I won't read them all. But we know in the beginning, God made male and he made female, and he gave them dominion. He said, hey, I made a garden. You take dominion. They didn't get up in the morning and say, Father, what should I do today? 
No, they just took dominion. Adam, he went out. Well, then he was just, Adam, he's there, and he gets to name the animals. I don't think he fasted and prayed for days and weeks to get the mind of God uh, to name a lion a lion. And I don't think he went and named an animal, and God said, I don't like that name. You need to change that. What's wrong with you, boy? Come on. That's a lousy name. No, he gave him dominion. He let him choose. He gave him the power of choice. He didn't even have to inquire because God said, go do it. So they didn't have to get up and inquire. Oh, I got to tend the garden. Should I tend the garden today? How should I tend the garden? He gave them the ability to govern themselves to do what he entrusted and stored them to do, right? And he said, and God blessed them. See, when we walk in self-governance, we are walking in a place where God's going to bless us. He says, man, you're giving your 100%. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to empower you to see, succeed. A blessing means happy, fortunate, and to be envied. Do you know that? So prosperous people look at you. If they're not secure in who they are, they're going to be jealous of you. Okay? But that's when we walk in self-governance. He gave them dominion, and when we walk in dominion, we will be blessed. We will be fruitful. We will multiply. You know what? God has given us so much of authority, and often, you know, we take and we just say, oh, you know, it's God, it's God, it's God. Yes, it is God because he's blessed us when we do something. It's not about works, but guess what? When something's inside of me, I'm going to want to do something with it. If, you, if you're called to teach, you want to teach. If you're called to prophesy, you look for places to prophesy. Come on. What God puts inside of you, you have the responsibility, the authority to manage that. It's powerful. Self-governance is exercising intrinsic control. And no, no, we are not there, hon. Let me go off. We are on slide nine, believe it or not, slide nine. Okay. (laughs) I only got like 50 slides or something like that, which we'll never get to. So we are in slide nine. There you go. Self-governance is exercising intrinsic control. Look at the scripture. But the fruit of the spirit, we name them all. The last one is self-control. And listen, against such there is no law. We have never seen any nation in the world, God in his word, release a law that says, you can't love. Mm -mm. You can't have joy. Mm -mm. You can't have peace. It's against the law. You're going to go, you have long suffering right now. You're going to jail. No, there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. Think of it. And God has given us the power to choose it. See, our gifts, we can't take credit for our gifts because God gave them, correct? But guess what? We have a responsibility to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, oh, God, give me peace. He says, you choose it. Oh, God. Give me long-suffering. He goes, no, you've got to make that choice. He is not going to do for us what he told us to do for ourselves. That's why it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's a reflection of my governance. It's a reflection of my choice. 
I shared last night how my husband was in the hospital, and when he went, went into the um, intensive care unit, and we're up there, and, and, um, and you know, that messes with your brain. And we sat and we said, we choose peace. I've been teaching for months on how powerful we are. And I made a decision. I refuse to fear. I refuse. What does fear do? It sabotages me. God hasn't given me fear. If I choose to feed my fear, it'll sabotage my ability to receive what God destined me to have. Here he's got this wonderful gift, and fear doesn't allow me to release it. But you make a choice for peace, then I can release. Because you made a choice. I'm sorry, I turned that off. <laughs> Were you recording? Oh. oh, Siri was talking. See, Siri responds. <laughs> and so we have to choose it. I choose to be long-suffering. I choose to be gentle. I choose to be kind. I choose to be temperate. I choose faith or faithfulness. I choose it. It's my choice. If we're waiting to feel something, we will never do anything. Obedience is a choice. Some of the things I wanted to do least when I stepped out there in obedience, man, God so showed up, it blew my mind. But what if I never would have responded to it? I never would have experienced it. You're powerful, guys. The enemy wants you to think you're powerless. The slide that she had up there, and hopefully I'll get it today, but we either got one choice to be powerful or powerless. There's only one way, powerful or powerless. See, the fruit of the Spirit is developed through self-governance in the soil of God's preordained dominion mandate by his grace. When I choose, his grace partners with me. Grace is the Holy Spirit's influence upon my heart. So the Holy Spirit, who dwells in us, right? He is constantly influencing us, saying, choose peace, choose peace, choose love, choose joy, choose long-suffering. So when I choose... Because I have a dominion mandate from heaven. When I choose that, then God's grace empowers me. And when you start making a choice, guess what? After you do the action, the feeling comes. Once you start loving on someone, you start feeling love for them. Once you start honoring someone... You feel affection towards them. Once you start celebrating someone, you feel affection towards them. See, what has got your attention has got your direction. What are you thinking? Where your thoughts are is what you're going to have. And we can blame the devil all day long. Or we can blame God. We can walk in offense. And, of course, everything out there has power. No, it doesn't. I'm affected by those things. But what happens on the inside of me is my choice. Today is the day we're getting rid of the blame game. And you're going to rise up and recognize the power and the authority that you have as a daughter of the king. And then that will empower you to walk in a freedom of being authentically who you are. 
Proverbs 25, 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. If I don't make choices for my life that align with heaven, then I'm like a city that is broken down without walls. And I made that choice. Proverbs 16, 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit than he that takes a city. Look, you talk about success. You know what success in the eyes of God? When you rule yourself. God says, girl, I'm so proud of you. Because you're doing that, I'm going to partner with you, and man, the two of us together, what we can accomplish, what we can do. Oh, I'm telling you, when we make those choices, something happens on the inside of us that we feel powerful because even in spite of the motion we made the right choice I've been preaching this a long time but boy I've been living it I've been living it not just the positive end of it but the choices the hard choices in the middle of something where my emotions wanted to take me to the left and I had to choose to go right there's no temptation taking us but such as is common to man guess what all of us we're human beings (laughs) We all live in a fallen world. We all have temptation. We all have battles. We all have struggles. We all have disappointments. We all have rejections and betrayals. We all have expectations of what we thought something would look like, and it didn't turn out that way. We all face that. That's a part of a human experience in a fallen world. But guess what? We are not controlled by that. We are powerful. I remember when I let the opinions of man control my actions. I was a woman most miserable. The internal narrative was not anything I would have wanted written down. Praise God, it's washed away in the blood of Jesus. All right. But when we face those things and we make a conscious choice to rule our spirit, you know, it says he that is slow to anger. Let me give you the reasons why someone is angry. I might have shared this before, but number one is when our needs are not being met. Number two is when we are being shamed or put down, belittled, devalued. And number three is when convictions are being violated. And see, when you can recognize what stirs the emotion of anger, then you recognize where it's coming from. If it's because my needs are not being met, then I have to deal with my own heart. And I have to trust the God who's the meter of all my needs. If I feel like I'm being shamed, then guess what? I just got to make a choice. Bless their darling hearts. I know who God's called me to be. And do you know what? I've learned through the years that flattery is more detrimental than outright belittling. Because one is manipulative and the other one is very obvious. And so no matter what comes my way, I have a choice of how I'm going to respond to that. The next slide, it's self-governance is the armor to protect our identity and advance our purpose. Look, we were created with a free will. You know, there's a little literal structure in our brain in the frontal cortex. That's our free will. 
a literal structure in our brain, free will, choice, our power of decision. It's the place of wisdom. Every human being has this. Have you ever seen non-believers make wiser choices than some Christians? Why? Because they chose to submit it to the frontal cortex, think about it, and choose good. It has just amazed me through the years what I've seen in some churches. And then I go into some big corporation and I am in all the integrity. I said, these aren't even believers. See, God is the creator of every human being. He has woven it into our very DNA to love and be loved, to value and to, val- to value others and to be valued. We were created for that. And I can't teach all that. I was going to this weekend and uh, I decided it's just too much science. But uh, it's a literal structure in our brain. You know, when you have an emotion, it comes in one thirty-second of a second. I come up and I look at you. One thirty-second of a second, you can feel it, right? Do you ever walk in a room and you go, ooh, I can feel that? So he said, I mean, in one thirty second, you can have an emotion of fear. You can feel all kinds of things. And it takes three full seconds to make a decision. Three seconds doesn't seem long, but let's think. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. It doesn't seem long, but it's a whole lot longer than one thirty second of a second. And in the midst of intense emotions... I need to take those three seconds and determine in my heart what is the righteous thing to do. We are powerful. The Spirit of God dwells in us. We're not even doing this thing alone. (laughs) See, it's where our thoughts and our beliefs and our attitudes are accepted and rejected. So every thought that comes into my mind, I have the power to accept it or reject it. I hear gossip about me. I can choose to accept it and let it affect my life negatively or I can reject it and bless their hearts and go on with what God's called me to go on with. Am I going to give power to the opinions of men or am I going to walk in obedience to God? The Bible calls it the fear of man. See, Jesus did some pretty strong things because he wasn't afraid of man. So what he did, he did out of love. He didn't do it out of reaction or fear. We could do this little activation. We won't because of time. But if we had partners, and here, Lori, come up here, Lori. So, all right, so put up both your hands. If I have both my hands up, okay, now, okay, what happens when I'm pushing you? What do you want to do? Push back. Push back. Do you hear that? When I get pushed, you want to push back. It's our natural human response, right? But when we recognize someone's pushing, you know what would be more powerful? Come here, Lori. I start. Who's the powerful one? You start pushing, bless her heart. But we stay in these big old battles forever because we think we got the power to change somebody or influence somebody. But the fact is, if they are pushing against us, let them. And we just keep on serving God. 
the misunderstanding of love caused me to invest and invest and invest and invest and invest and do everything I could to try to change someone's mind. And I learned that that was manipulation. It wasn't evil manipulation. It wasn't deception. It was I saw so much potential and I loved the person so much. I wanted to see them arise and fulfill destiny and accomplish all the plans and purposes of God for their life. And so I just kept giving and giving and giving. And guess what? They kept rejecting and rejecting and rejecting. And you know what? There are ones who walked away. There were ones who never valued what I carried. You know what? Uh, your love is not as powerful as you think. Your love is powerful to you if you choose it. But if you don't receive, I'm standing up here preaching. I'm pouring out my heart, right? I'm being authentic. I'm being real. I'm telling you all my dirty laundry, all those things. And if you receive it, it can impact you. If you reject it, put up the hand, it will have no impact on you whatsoever. Have you ever noticed the power of God fall on a place and somebody's sitting there with their arms crossed? God doesn't force anybody. Well, I don't want to say that. He can if he wants to. <laughs> like Saul on the road to Tarsus, you know. But see, God knows the heart. If you think about Saul, Saul had a hunger for God. He just was deceived. See, there's a difference. <laughs> I got to keep going. So self-governance motivates us to develop our abilities. See, when you value something, remember I said last night, you invest into it, you sacrifice for it, you treat it as valuable. You make those investments. And so to govern our lives, we have to be willing to invest into what God's put on the inside of us. Just this year, in the midst of our financial slump because of medical bills, I get a call from a head of a company that I'm certified with. And he says, Melody, I looked, you know, I looked at every single person. It's a global company. Every person that is connected to me worldwide. But I want you. And I want you to become a master of, of what we do. And then I want you to train for my company. And what that means is you can do it at home. You know, I'll give you the clients and you bring the training. And I said, wow, I, I would be honored, but you know, that's like $15,000. And he says, I want you. He says, I'll tell you what I'll do. We'll just do this, this, this. He just like cut it down like two thirds. And then he said, and you can work that off. I just need you to pay a price. See, that's wisdom and that's business, right? Not giving it all for free, making someone make a choice. Because if I give, I've learned, if I give it free, if I, now I still do give books away because the mercy part of me just thinks you've got to read this. But usually I've discovered when I give it away, nobody ever reads it. But if they buy it, they at least read some of it. And that guy, he says, you know, if you're willing to pay that price and work it off, I will do this and this. And I said, Wow, yes, sir. It has opened up doors for me to bring training of this tool to people I would have never met. Oh, and I got some real, this story I'd love to tell you, but time-wise I won't. But, I mean, someone, new age, into all kinds of stuff, and we're talking on the phone, and she talks about her sister. See, I said I wasn't going to say it, I'm saying it. She talks about her sister, who's this, you know, fanatical, radical, born-again Christian. 
And I thought, okay, Lord, how do, because I can't preach. It's not my platform. So, okay. So inside, I'm just praying in tongues inside of me. Okay, Jesus, help me, help me. And then later on when we got to a place in the training, I said, you know how you talked about your sister? And I said, really, that's not because she's a Christian. That's because she's living in fear. And I started explaining, and honestly, it was, it was good stuff. I was trying, I said, this is your sister. Did this happen? This happened? This happened? And I'm going through these things. Well, yes, yes. And I said, that's not Christianity. My husband's a pastor. I'm a Christian. And there's nothing in the Bible about that. She goes, you're not? There's not? I go, no. This is what the Bible says. And she starts to ask me questions about the Bible. See, there's a lot of hungry people, and all they know, see, sometimes Christians are the biggest hindrance to people getting saved. But the long story short of that story was um, by the end of the training, <clears throat> she says, wow, you caused me to so understand where my sister is at it and I and my family have rejected her and man I'm going to go apologize to her you know I didn't understand we were just hurting her more than she was already hurt oh my goodness God when you take and you develop what you already have I mean, there's another certification. I mean, all these things are tools. They're marketplace tools, but man, every one of them I could preach. Every one of them are so powerful. And I can make them authentically me wherever I go and just feed the word of God in the midst of everything, whether people know it or not. But there's another one, and it's like I need 6,000 in about a year and a half to do the training. And so, um, but guess what? We have the responsibility to develop our abilities. That's why we have schools. That's why we have training. That's why we come to church. Church isn't a place to just come and do our religious duty. It's a place to come and be equipped and have safety and security and get healed and whole so I can go out there and take what God's placed inside of me and change my world. It's to make a difference. And every person, no, I can't do it for you. I want to stir and motivate you, but motivation only lasts a, a few moments unless it's intrinsic. I am not against accountability because, you know, that's okay in baby stages. But if the only way someone can walk away from a sin is if I contact them every day, then guess what? That shows me that they really want to do that. Oh, man. My husband said, I'm not going to marry you until you quit smoking. I smoked four packs of cigarettes a day. And that was back in the day where you could smoke in any building, you know, and I'd have a cigarette hanging out of my mouth 20, you know, just all day long. I'd let, I didn't even hardly have matches. I'd just go from one cigarette to the next, you know. I mean, that was, and he says, I'm not going to marry you. So guess what? There was some intrinsic motivation. There was something I wanted. So, oh, it was torture. Man, I remember, and he was in New York, and I was in D.C., and so he wasn't even around to motivate me. And so there I am. I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I'd be going through my garbage trying to find some butt with a little bit of tobacco on. I mean, it was torturous. Come on, I'm getting hot just thinking about it. All right. And, 
But you know what? It was that internal motivation that caused me to push through those very, very, very difficult times to stop something that I really wanted. And soon I had to decide what I loved most. Did I love the cigarettes more or him? We do what we love. We do what we want. Come on. We do. We get what we value. Come on, guys. Well, I can't do it and my husband won't let me. Oh, I could stop you at anything else. <laughs> well, I'm going to be a submissive wife. Come on. <laughs> See, your reward is not because of your potential, but what we've done with it. Last night was all about value. God was just so seeding into your value. Now he says, because I made you so valuable and I put this treasure inside of you, I want you to store it. And when you store it, I'm going to multiply it. And when you build what I placed on the inside of you, you watch and see how I use you. You watch and see how I use you to impact the world and touch people's lives. Managing our resources. Self-governance enables my daily choices to bring order to my private world. On the next slide, it says, We have delegated authority and innate ability to govern. Listen to this. Genesis 126 is where it's from. We were created for and commissioned to have dominion or stewardship over two things. One is our self and secondly, our resources. You have power over yourself, and you have power over your resources. Correct? When you get money, you choose what you're doing with that. Come on. What you own, what you have, your car, your home, your apartment, whatever it is. Whatever you have, those are yours. And you're responsible to store them. Who you are as a person, you're responsible to store that. You're powerful. Now, either if you want to stay weak, you're not going to like what I was speaking because we're expecting somebody else to do something for us. But God created you powerful, and if you can get a hold of this, it'll transform your life, I promise you. If you can get a hold of this and you can apply it to your life, oh, it isn't the ooey-gooey, lovey, ooey-gooey stuff. You know, it's not that. But I'll tell you, it's the power of your choice that will cause you to be successful wherever you're at. We could just say wherever your hand touches, you'll have for the kingdom. Oh, it's if our choices align with that. Because if I, wherever my foot treads, if I'm going, if I'm going to Africa, guess what? It's going to take some willful, determined choices on your part to be able to do what God's called you to do, so where the foot of your foot treads, you can have for the kingdom. It's not just some magical thing. Okay, this belongs to me now. No. It's where I walk, where I go, the land that I am on, I'm going to store that place. I'm going to be powerful in that place. When we first moved to our area, it was a very prejudiced area, and it's a white German area, and I'm a white German, and we were rejected, and we were told to leave the area because we'll never belong because we weren't born there. Anybody coming into that area that wasn't born there was not welcome. So you know what I did? God spoke. We had a thus saith the Lord before we even knew about the prophetic. And we went to that place. We go, okay, I'm determined. 
I don't really want to be here. I wanted to be in the city, not the country. I didn't really like where we were, but God told us to come. And man, no man was going to move us out. I was good. Stubbornness is good if it's in obedience to God, right? And so man didn't move, didn't move. And then we found out how prejudice they were. And boy, you know, you already know because I'm writing a book on prejudice, how much I hate it. And, uh, oh, you got problems? All the guest speakers we brought in for the first few years were all black. You got a problem? <laughs> Whatever they complained about, we did the opposite because guess what? We had a choice either to succumb to the environment, succumb to the atmosphere, or rise up and really take the land for the kingdom. And with people hating us, oh, man, they were not happy with us at all. But you know what? That's a choice we made. And guess what? God honored it. And now our whole area is completely different. I'm not saying there isn't a prejudiced person there because everybody holds some form of prejudice. But the fact is, people are welcome. We have a multicultural church in a white German area. How did that happen? happen. And we're in the country. There's 1,500 people in our community. Come on. How, and God's drawing them from all types of places. We have people who are committed to our church from West Virginia and Maryland, and they're all colors, and it's so beautiful. Why? Because we went in there. We made a choice to obey God and do what he said. And I'll tell you, we were not moved. We didn't care what anybody said, what anybody thought. In fact, the more they said we couldn't, the more fight was in me. That might have been stubborn, but I'm so glad God put that in me then because that's when I was all filled with shame. I mean, it was the church that shook me. The world, I had no problem with the world. In creation, God assigned dominion, but never over another human being who has been created with the ability and responsibility for their own self-governance. So we have authority over ourselves and resources. We have no power over any other human being. Ladies, the moment you try to control your husband, you're sabotaging the health of your marriage. If a husband tries to control you, he's sabotaging the health of the marriage. Come on, guys. God never called us to control another person. He did not create you to be controlled. That doesn't mean we're not led. That doesn't mean we don't partner. That doesn't mean there's a giving and not a giving and receiving. It's just that we are not manipulated and controlled. Asking God to move while we are inactive is entitlement. It's not partnership. God, I mean, if we say, God, do this in my life when he's given me the power to do it, I'm asking him to use his power to intervene in my life when he's already given me the power to make that decision myself. I don't have as many ahs as I did last night. Okay. Asking others, asking others to do for us what we are responsible for is usury, not partnership. Well, you know, I'm a leader now. Since I'm a leader, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do That's not leadership. Come on, guys. Serving your community, guess what? God puts a church in a community, not so the community supports the church, but so the church supports the community. God has put us in the world to be a light in the midst of darkness. We're not going to darkness to finance the light. I mean, how weak does that sound? 
People, you know, they'll come and they'll say, why don't you do this, 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 and this? Why don't you go to the businesses and ask this, this, and this? And I said, well, if I don't have anything to give them back in return, where it's a win-win thing, I'm not going to anybody. My God is greater than that. Because the world has an image of Christianity. And it's because we have rendered ourselves powerless. Y'all with me? So we have dominion over self. This is the next slide. We have the power of personal choice. My little granddaughter, I think she was like three years old, very strong-willed little girl. She goes up to her daddy and she goes, when do I get to be the boss? And you know what her daddy said? He says, you can be the boss right now. She goes, I can. And he goes, yes, you can be the boss of yourself. It's your choice whether you clean your room or you don't. It's your choice whether you will obey or disobey. It's your choice. Now, all our choices have consequences, but it's your choice. My little grandson, uh, he's a a power child, very much a power child. Um, She was more emotion. He is more task. And so he'd be in his room building something, you know, and he's doing something. He's so focused on what he's doing. Well, it's time to eat. He'll throw a fit because you've interrupted his task. And so my son says, what do I do? I said, you got to give him power. He goes, how do I do that? I said, well, figure it out. And so he goes to his son and he says, whoa. He said, you got a choice. And so immediately the meltdown starts melting down. It's like, okay, I got a choice. Instead of you watch a boy, I'm going to, you know. No, it wasn't that. It's like, you got a choice. He says, you can choose talking with me or you can choose a spanking. Which one do you choose? (laughs) And he stops, and he repeatedly, he says, let's talk about it. But, you know, in the process, he chose to calm himself down. He was given a choice to talk. So what? He made the choice to talk. So he was open to talk. It's amazing how things change. I mean, you, you call them the terrible twos. No, it's just when a two-year-old begins, I have the power of choice. Do you ever see ever those little videos on YouTube, you know, where it's these kids, they have all these barricades, and these kids, man, they can get out of their cribs, get over the barricades, and you see all these things, man, they got their ways. Because what? We were not created to be barricaded in anywhere. We were created with the power of choice. Now, we know they're immature. We know they do crazy things. We know that, but the fact is we've got to recognize we were created powerful. The worst thing we can do for our kids is take away their power. Now, that doesn't mean we don't correct them. That doesn't mean there's not consequences. But the fact is we want to protect the power that they hold. But that so impacted my granddaughter when she realized she was the boss of herself. She wasn't daddy's boss. She wasn't mommy's boss. She wasn't her siblings' boss. But she was the boss of herself. 
See, trying to legislate another is out of our ability and out of our authority. Not being able to govern events, I must govern myself. Because guess what? If I'm controlled by the external, I will live in fear. If I'm controlled by the external, I'll feel like the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I cannot be controlled by what I see. Sounds biblical, doesn't it? We're not controlled by others. Okay, I'm going to read this. If you're there, oh, you're a good girl. Okay. If you allow the toxic behavior of another to control your life, you have chosen to empower their influence and sanction their behavior. See, this is really a sad commentary when God created us to walk in authority. So I'm in a toxic environment, and I said, and allow that toxic environment to continue to impact me. I have said, it's okay that you treat me that way. It's okay that you curse in front of me. I thought it was love. I had a gal come to my school. She was from another nation, and she was there three days, and she's cursing at me. And I was going to walk in love. And I said, sweetheart, I understand you're wounded. Would you just give me six months to prove to you that you can trust me? Well, all right, all right. Do you know what? I just gave her power. Not a good kind of power. Okay, I got six months. I can still control her because I'm wounded. What I should have done, I said, This is unacceptable. I love you. I want you here. But if you're going to live in these dorms, this is unacceptable behavior. So you have to make a choice. I'll give you three days. Whether you're going to respond and grow and deal with this or you can go back to your nation. That's what I should have done. I still would have given her power of choice. I would have given her time to think about it. But the fact is... Not addressing that that was unacceptable. Taking it to myself like my proving to her that I'm trustworthy will somehow get away, get rid of her woundedness. I'm not that powerful. Do you see what I'm saying? How we allow certain things. Now, if somebody wants to act away and it doesn't affect me, there's some people have done some crazy things, but it didn't affect me. So uh, it was not my responsibility. But when it starts affecting me or our church, we have in our church a code of conduct. The first one is we are a gossip-free zone. The church is supposed to be safe. And as pastors, we're here to make sure the church remains safe. So guess what? If somebody gossips, Mama Melody is going to go talk to them. And they have to make a choice to either deal with the gossip or go. But, you know, since we've been making that decree, we are like a gossip-free church. I'm not saying that it, somebody might not. Well, in fact, I'll tell you a story. Um, the, but the fact is people know it's unacceptable in our culture, and it's so safe. We've had people come to our church because it is safe. The second one is we are a prejudice-free zone. We don't care if you're a teenager or you're 80. You're going to be treated the same. You're just as valuable. If you're a two-year-old in the nursery, you're just as valuable. There is no prejudgment that one is greater than another. Come on. Whether you're rich or you're poor, whatever color you are, wherever you're from, we are a prejudice-free zone. It's unacceptable in this culture. We had a man come in. He had... 
um, I can't remember if it was six or eight foster kids, and that got me excited because right there we had every race on the planet, you know, and those six or eight kids. And I thought, oh, they could come what our children's ministry could do for those kids. And he walked in the door, and he says, yeah, I came here. I came from the church down the street. You know, that pastor, I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, we love every pastor in this valley. We love every church in this valley, and we are a gossip-free zone. He went, oh, and he, didn't, he was offended, but he controlled himself. The next week he came back, he went up to somebody in the church and started saying, whoa, just not the pastor, somebody, just a person. They go, oh, we love every church in this valley. No, we, we, don't, we don't do that here. He only lasted a couple weeks and he was gone. But see, one thing I've learned, when you don't let a controller control, one of two things will happen. They either will get healed or they'll leave. And we've had people come in to our church. They might have been a gossip in their last church. And they came in and they never saw anything like this. I go, oh. And they just started, we didn't realize. We just thought that's the way church is. We just thought these levels of control and all these things, that's the way church is supposed to be. And they got healed. People are coming. They said, you know, I went and I visited some place, and, and they don't even say the name because we don't, you know. He says, I just went to this place, and people were talking, and all it did made me think, thank God we don't have that. So now it's not just something we say from the pulpit. It's the whole church feels so safe. They don't want that messed up. <laughs> so what's going to happen? Anybody can walk through the doors of our church, and they're going to be loved and valued and accepted. There's no prejudice. There's no gossip. It doesn't matter how they look, how they dress, how whatever. In fact, hey, bring them, man. I mean, we get excited about that. Isn't it so wonderful to be able to love and value somebody that doesn't expect you to? It's just that rocks, okay? So we cannot... I realized, oh my gosh, for years as a pastor, I was controlled by toxic people, and I wondered why we faced what we faced but I didn't have the courage at that time or that intrinsic power I did not use to say this is unacceptable. And it was about six years ago that I started saying it from the pulpit. We are a gossip-free zone. I said, I'm, I'm not playing religious games anymore. This is this. And so they just heard it every time Melody got up to preach. Man, they heard it over and over. I wove it into every message. And then we started developing the code of conduct. They walk through the doors of the church. They see it on the big screens. We're a gossip-free zone, prejudice-free zone. We celebrate boundaries. I mean, we just, we have, because guess what? People are valuable. And we have a choice of what our culture will be. I can't control anybody else, any place else. I, I have no power over that. I can't even control the people in our church. They have to be willing to do it themselves. And we have power over creation, resource management. And, oh, I won't go into that. Okay. Let's go to the next slide with the, the hand. There you go. We were not created to be externally controlled. And I'm going to do, can, if I talk fast, can you listen fast? Okay. I know this is more teaching this morning, but I want you to know 
If we can embrace this, it'll change our lives. We were created for partnership, not control. Partnership. God and man, God, man, he is all powerful, but yet he gives us power. He is so powerful, he's not afraid of our power. Oh my gosh, that says a lot about me as a leader. If I'm a powerful leader, I'm going to want you to be powerful. Because I don't want to control you. I don't want to try to manipulate to think or act or function a certain way. I let the word of God be my plumb line, right? So I want to empower you to release you. So the more powerful I am, the more free I am with other people being powerful. My staff. I mean, we have partnership in our staff. They come in and they'll say, because, you know, I'm a kind of a strong personality. And I don't know if you noticed that, but I'm kind of a strong personality. And, you know, guest speakers will come in and they some, they go, oh, what's it like working for Melody because she's so strong? Well, it's just wonderful. And I said, well, to be honest, guys, I listen to them more than they listen to me. Because we come to the table they put what they think on the table. I go, that's good, do it. In fact, my staff doesn't have to ask permission for anything unless it's spending money. Then they have to. And then I go to the bookkeeper because that's her realm of authority, right? She knows what's in the book, so we're not going to make a decision when she has the response. Of, oh, here's a good one. You don't have authority without responsibility. It has nothing to do with my position, the fact is, if I have responsibility for something, I have to take the authority or the power of it. If I delegate responsibility, I've got to give them the power. So my right-hand gal, man, she just sends me texts or emails. Oh, just by the way, I did this, I did this, I did this. I go, cool. She is so happy because she is powerful, and she has the freedom to release that. And you know what? That shows her how powerful I really am. That as a leader, my power is to manage me. It's not to control her. This is healthy environments. That's why I said last night, any powerful man wants their wife to be powerful. Any powerful woman wants their husband to be powerful. We're not, what powerful doesn't mean we put anybody under. It means we raise everybody up. Leadership is using your life to empower people to walk in the fullness of what God's placed inside of them. Helping people discover what manner of man or woman they are. That's a powerful leader, guys. And when you walk in that as an individual, you're going to want other people to walk in it too. Young, old, diverse culture, complementary abilities in our staff. <laughs> They'll call and they say, they all call me mama. And nobody calls me pastor. But, well, a few might. But they'll call and say, mama, you know what? You're good at this. I don't think you want us doing it. I go, I think you're right. And I do it. And then other things, I'll call them, you know, you're really good at this. I don't think I should do that. And they go, you're right. And so it's not just a job description. It's what does that person carry? I am really offended right now because you didn't ask me to lead worship. <laughs> no, 
praise God <laughs> for somebody who has an ability that I do not have. That doesn't mean something's wrong with me. It just means that God has put this in you and we get to release her power and her freedom and her voice. Hey, this is what it builds healthy partnerships, guys. This is what makes it a safe environment because we're not competing with each other. We're empowering one another. What does the Holy Spirit do? He empowers us, right? See, to forcibly try to control another or exalt ourselves above another is violating God's original intent and purpose. Man, I love telling my stories and the things that God does, but that doesn't make me higher than anybody else. To exalt myself above is wrong. To put anyone down is inherently wrong. For me to judge somebody, I don't live in your shoes. I don't know the battles you face. I don't know where you've come from. Who am I to judge you? No, my job is power over myself, love for you, and to control the thoughts of my mind. I refuse to think that thought. I have the power to do that. I reject that thought right now in the name of Jesus. You might have to reject it in 30 seconds and then in another 30 seconds and then in another 30 seconds. But just having the thought doesn't mean you succumb to it. It means you are in a battle of the soul and your soul has the power to win that battle. Fear has no place in you unless we give it place. Oh, I'll tell you, I know when demons were cast out of me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But they were there because somewhere along the line, I was opened up to receive them. And so guess what? I have the power. And I remember one, it was actually the spirit of shame when I'm probably told you the story and the shame thing. But I was sitting there in my living rooms, you know, Indian style, you know, and, and I just, I was like so angry at shame. And I just said, shame, you leave me now in the name of Jesus. And I took authority over that thing, man. I was like a wild woman in there just saying, no more, no more, no more. And I just felt it just leave. Nobody even prayed for me. It was me taking power over a spirit of shame. And I remember I got up, that was a Saturday, and I got up and I went to church. And it was back in the days when all the junk was going on. And I walked in there and these people looking at me. And I'm going, oh, I love them. And I go, I can't believe I just felt that way. And the way they looked at me, I felt no shame. I'm like, whoa, I got delivered from a demon or something. You know what I mean? This was like, I, it was liberating. Now, I'm not saying we don't need help. Please don't misunderstand me. Because see, a really powerful person recognizes when they need to go get help. When they need to have something looked at through another set of eyes. Because I only know in part. Correct? I'm only, I only know so much, so we need one another. But see, that's where partnership comes. See, the validation of the human soul cannot coexist with prejudice, injustice, or discrimination of any kind. A truly powerful person would not enslave people. A truly powerful person would not use somebody for their own gain. Oh, and I got to hurry. Government's extrinsic control. We'll do this fast. 
God's never, God's original intent was never to have government control. Mankind was never intended to know evil. Do you realize there was no law until Moses? Why was there no law until Moses? It happened then because man did not govern themselves. They sought to meet their own need. They were moved by instant gratification. They weren't thinking about the future, how it was going to affect. They weren't caring about other people. So guess what? Laws came into it. God brought laws into effect because a person didn't govern themselves. So when my lack of self-governance caused me to hurt you, there was a law. said, man, you're not to lie. You're not to steal. You're not to bear false witness. You're not supposed to murder. You're not supposed to do these things. Why? Because people, why do they put a sign up at a pool? Don't pee in the pool. Because somebody peed in the pool, right? So these, the Ten Commandments came about because people were doing those things. There was no, you know what, when Adam and Eve were created, they were created with power. There was no need for laws. But when sin came, a man got very creative at abusing other people. Laws had to come in to say, this is unacceptable in my world. God's saying, hey, this is unacceptable. Lying, stealing, murder, this is unacceptable. That's not a part of heaven's culture. When man chose his or her will in opposition to God's will, man developed an appetite for sin. Therefore, government or law became the instrument to extrinsically regulate, regulate actions. God never wanted government to control. But because man doesn't control, law had to come in. Now, we know we are redeemed. We know Christ has redeemed us. So we've got our power. But God didn't want Israel to have a king. You know these stories. First. Samuel 8, 18. The Lord told Samuel to warn Israel about wanting a king. Because he said, if you have a king, if I had more time, I'd just read it. And he goes, I'll take your sons, I'll take your daughters, I'll take your manservants, your main, uh, maidservants, I'll take your cattle, I'll take your sheep, I'll take all this stuff, and then you got to give this and you got to do this. He'll take and he'll take. It's a whole like six, seven verses. He'll take this and this and this. If you have a king... He'll take all these things. I don't want you to have a king. God was saying, I don't want someone to control you. Because when you give someone control over you, and I'm not talking about having leaders over you. Leadership isn't control. Leadership is, this is where we're going. It's vision, and people are partnering together to fulfill that vision. But what I'm talking about is control. And look, this is what happened, which you know. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, no, we will have a king. Guess what? They had the power of choice. They had the power to choose. We will have a king over us that we may also be like other nations. <gasps> Everybody else has got a king. I want a king too, okay? And that our king may judge us. The king will make decisions for us. We don't have to think anymore. Someone will do our thinking for us. They'll make the decisions for us. 
and they will go out before us and fight our battles. I can stay home and eat ice cream and watch soap operas all day, and they'll go do the battle. I want a king. Go ahead. Take this and take this and take this. Just let me stay home and eat my chocolate ice cream. You know? I don't want to pay a price. I don't want to walk in power. I don't want to take that responsibility. So, expecting another to do for you what you are not willing to do for yourself will literally erode your self-confidence and you will lose courage. Now you're powerless, you're a victim to circumstances. Let me do this one. Codependency is excessive reliance on another when they have the ability to do it for themselves. To do for them is not love. We've misunderstood what love is. What is powerful love? Powerful love wants something so much for someone that they will empower them to be self-governing. I'm not looking for people. Oh, Pastor Melody, I need you, Pastor Melody. Melody, I can't function without you praying for me. You know, I want to make you powerful so you go pray for somebody else. I want you to have so much victory in your life. You don't need me. Come on. Right? Oh, I want to be there to help people. I want to lead people. But I'll tell you, I can't do it for people. You can only go around so much. Reproducing and reproducing powerful people. And Samuel heard all the words of the people when he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said, listen to him. Give them a king. Make them a king. They want a king? Let them have a king. God gave them according to their idol. See, man was given the authority to choose, and God gave Israel what they wanted, which was not, not his intent. It was not his purpose. It was not his will. I'm going to say something very strong. Put your seatbelts on. I thought I liked Melody. Now I'm not so sure, okay? Just because you get what you want does not mean it was God's highest and best. Just because you get what you want does not mean God gave it. Come on. Let's be honest. How many of you, there's something you really want? You get it. See, we establish the kingdom of God when we hear and obey. We honor God when we choose his thoughts over our thoughts. When we choose his ways over our, our ways. In Isaiah 55, it says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But I'll tell you, when we align our thoughts with heaven's thoughts, heaven's realities become ours. And that's a powerful choice that we make in spite of the circumstances, in, pi- in spite of the pain, in spite of the gossip, in spite of all these things that are happening around me. I choose to think your thoughts. I wore a good warfare. I cast down every vain imagination. I will not be controlled by this situation. I'm not going to let that betrayal hurt me. I'm not going to let that betrayal shut up the voice of God on the inside of me. In fact, I'm going to get louder than I ever was before. 
Oh, when the enemy wants to shut you up, you get louder. When the enemy wants to push you back, you run harder. Come on, guys. You are powerful. When someone says you can't and God says you can, you can. And will you do it perfect all the time? You'll probably never do it perfect. I don't think I've ever done anything perfect. But it's not about perfection. It's about making choices that align with heaven and giving your all. What you sow, you will reap. When you make investments into the lives of people and you take what's on the inside of you and you pour it out, God is going to cause you to reap. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Come on, guys. It's his promise. As he is, so are we in this world. I love, 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 love that scripture. I'm going to skip the next slide. Christ redeemed us. Redemption for mankind. Look at 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. That means that you have the power to destroy the works of the devil. You have the power to be a voice where there is no voice. You have the power to stand up when everyone else will not stand up. And I'm not talking about in anger because the more powerful you are, you're not angry at all. You just hold your ground. In fact, people who are against you want you to react. But when you like Lori, go, okay, you want to push? No problem. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And could some of the power of the enemy be a thought, a temptation? I mean, when you, any work of darkness, he says he's given us power over and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He's saying, if you walk in your power, all the things that are going on around you will not hurt you. They're not going to stop you. You know, from the first time I was here when it says in Isaiah 61, oh, anything that the enemy brought in, God always brings a double portion. That's really what my little book is about there. It's about the shame and the fear. But I'll tell you, every strategy of hell to come in and bring shame, God says, I'll give you double for your shame. You'll have a double inheritance for that disgrace. You're, oh, thank you very much here. Yeah. Your power of self-governance is fully emancipated from the bondage of sin and death. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, they became powerless. They were consumed by the emotions of shame and fear. They saw themselves as powerless. But Jesus paid the price, and he said, I have emancipated you from powerlessness. I've emancipated you. Guess what, guys? You're not a victim. I'm not saying stuff didn't happen. I'm just saying you're not a victim. Say, I am not a victim. I am powerless. Oh, did I say powerless? I am so proud of you. You wouldn't say it. And then they're going powerful. I thought, what's going on? I am powerful. All right. You are.
Therefore, submit yourself, right? We submit ourselves to God. Resist means to stand against and oppose. We resist the devil. We submit to God. We stand against and oppose because we are powerful. We oppose the devil, and he will flee from us. Oh, I love when we got into the part about telling fear to go because you know what? Fear is afraid. Every demonic spirit carries its nature. So fear is afraid. So all we have to do is resist fear and fear will run. All we have to do is say boo and it will go because we are powerful. The spirit of God dwells inside of us. I've learned by going into the corporate world, the fact is I don't even have to say out loud in the name of Jesus, I know where the power comes from. And I see the power of the enemy broken even in realms where people don't know. I mean, the atmosphere of heaven, when a flood of room, I went with this one place and they said, the atmosphere was electric. You know, they didn't know spiritual words. But they felt the presence of God when I didn't even say in the name of Jesus. But I knew it was from him. I knew it was his power partnering with me. It was a choice I made to go there. You know what? I think we can take some big risk. And who cares if we fail? Who cares? Taking the risk is powerful, a good risk, educated risk, a godly risk. Okay, there's, you know what? Every time I go to prophesy over somebody, I'm taking a risk. You think, oh, this is just natural. It has to be supernatural because if it's natural, you won't like what I say. Come on. The fact is, it is a risk because I know, I mean, that's beyond me. I have the power to speak for melody. But, man, it's got to be the Spirit of God. And you'll know when it is and you'll know when it isn't. And many times I'll stop and I'll say, this is what I'm saying. But the fact is, we know where our power comes from. See, that's what humility is. Humility doesn't think we're this lowly worm. Humility says, I know who God is and I know who he is in me. Without him, I can do nothing, but with him, I can do all things. That's humility. That's powerful. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I think I'll just stop because I have to stop in six minutes anyway. And um, let me see. Maybe I want to say one more thing. Um, No, I won't. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you that you have given us governance over ourselves and over our resources. And a part of the resources is our very land. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we claim this land. We claim this city for the kingdom of God. We declare and decree that everyone that is implanted in this city, everyone that is connected in this city, Lord, they're going to rise up in power and authority, in prayer, in action, in, in, in what they do, releasing the gifts inside of them. And we declare that this land is going to be healed in the name of Jesus. We declare and decree that your partnership with of heaven with them is going to bring a shift even in the very atmosphere. I decree it right now in the name of Jesus, and I just thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name.